Going back to that point about the Russian economy and and what that means for for the military, I mean, clearly, if we were talking about a country with the military capability of Spain or Italy, we wouldn't have a crisis of these proportions because Russia clearly is able to punch above its economic weight in some sense. Is that, to your mind, primarily a legacy of the Soviet Union? The fact, of course, that the the Russian military was able to inherit uh, the nuclear weapons, but also the very advanced aviation industry as well. Or do you think there's perhaps more to it than that? I think there's more to it than that, because, I mean, if you look at the situation in the Russian armed forces 12, 15 years ago, they were still dire. I mean, the Russian armed forces, outside of some of the key nuclear forces, uh, really went into a, a headline decline in the 1990s. And, you know, even when they were involved in invading Georgia, what was it, 2008, they were finding that, you know, to fly the planes, the serviceable planes they had effectively, the ordinary pilots didn't have enough experience. They were using the test pilots and the instructors. They were the only ones with enough flight hours to be competent. Um, there was a lot more to that, and that even persisted at this time. Um, Putin has spent the last 10 years, particularly when oil prices were high, investing very heavily in the military. And with that, there's been a very strong investment in the arms trade. Um, then US 400 anti-aircraft missile, which is a very effective uh, weapon. They've really been trying to sell that around the world. And they've been trying to sell some of the new Sukhois around, basically to help pay for the that part of the military industrial complex. Um, but another side, I mean, just going back to what's happening now, uh, there was a, a thing on one of the big American uh, panels this morning, one of the big um, media groups, uh, just pointing out what the Russians are doing in terms of amphibious forces. And they've moved six pretty large amphibious warships tank carriers mainly, uh, into the Black Sea. But if you look at those, only one of them is of the modern sort. The other five are from uh, basically ones that were developed in the 60s and built between about 1970 and 1990. So the sort of 30 to 50-year-old kits. Now, at the same time, I think from other sources, you will find that the United States has a full carrier battle fleet in the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, The French have their... Charles de Gaulle strike fleet, and the Italians have their Cavour aircraft carriers. So, in fact, there are three aircraft carriers in the Black Sea, in the Mediterranean. They've not gone into the Black Sea. And frankly, although they are allowed to, I believe, under the Montreal Convention, if they're operating in the Black Sea, uh, they can't actually fly the planes by agreement. Now, whether that will consist in wartime, what I'm saying is you're getting part of the picture. Uh, we've seen B, uh, B-52s, four of them fly into um, Fairford today. A squadron of F-15Es, these very potent strike aircraft, have been moved from uh, Lake and Heath through to a base in Poland. And that is also happening on the western side. So there's a counter-expansion, if you like, and that is re- not so much covered, I think, in the, in the media of Britain. It's there, but you have to look more clearly. We're seeing really the kind of Cold War rhetoric of building up the uh, uh, the Russians to a, a very considerable extent. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode of PTO Extra, please consider becoming a £5 supporter on Patreon. As well as getting access to extended versions of regular shows, you'll also get access to all future episodes of PTO Extra. Go to patreon.com forward slash poll theory other to sign up.